biggest games. The biggest events. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was you in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I'm Rachel Gu, and I'm joined by Christina on the desk today. Hello, Rachel. How you doing? Doing great. I'm um, great. Uh, we have Jacob on, but he'll be joining us later after the half. And our lovely producer, Tarika, is with us behind the glass. How are you, Tarika? I'm great. I've missed you guys. I haven't been around for like the last two podcasts. I know. You've been busy. I know. I w- people will think I'm busy, but I'm really not. I'm just chilling. Oh, are you kidding me? I see your, <laughs> I see your interviews on Facebook all the time. <laughs> You're like a big shot now. Lo- I love you guys always. <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's jump right in because we have a lot that went on over the weekend. Um, to start off, we had Optic Gaming winning the Halo World Championships. Clean sweep. Yeah, and uh, so um, this it's the second world championship in a row for this particular roster. Uh, last year they were playing they were playing under Counter Logic Gaming. Now they're under Optic. So obviously, I mean, a lot of people are calling them just the, the greatest Halo team to ever play the game for sure. And we have a couple of great interviews with Snakebite and Lethal on our webpage ESPN.com/esports. Um, what else happened? We also had Alexi. Barsuka from Russia winning the Hearthstone Winter Championships. We had Hungrybox winning singles at Full Bloom 3, along with doubles with SFAT. Um, We had the announcement of StarCraft HD. Yeah. Which is super exciting. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, I mean, we can get that, get into that a little bit later, but it's, it's definitely made a difference in my life. For sure. And then we had the end of the NALCS weekend, which we're going to dive into after the half. Um, but let's jump into the ESPN esports bracket, which is I'm sure some, a lot of people have seen on our Twitter. Um, it's a it's basically our love letter to March Madness or um, the tournament bracket, and we've whittled down from 64 con- competitors down to four. And you still have your chance to cast your votes at twitter.com/espn underscore esports. So be sure to get that done. Yeah, um, and it's worth noting. So basically, the concept behind this bracket was just that we took. 64 pro players, well-known pro players from across uh, different games, everything from uh, Dota and League of Legends and Counter-Strike to Rocket League um, to uh, Mortal Kombat. And uh, yeah, we've been running all of these matches, quote-unquote, on our Twitter with Twitter polls, who do you want to see win, X versus Y. And in the final four, we have uh, two Optic Gaming players. Yeah. Which, it looks like it's going to be an optic final. Yeah, it's it's been incredible. I just I did not I underestimated. I guess the the power of the green wall fan base. They are uh, they're hype. And another fan base that's really impressed me is Rocket League. Like they really, I thought there were a couple of times they were going to overtake people who were like clear favorites in the tournament. Yeah, very very passionate. Right, and our final four is, um, if you want to check us out on ESPN.com slash esports, it's Formal versus Arteezy and Daigo versus Lethal. Um, what were some of the biggest surprises of the bracket? Uh, biggest surprises of the bracket? I mean, I guess like um, Faker not uh, advancing super far. He made it to maybe the round of 16 or yeah. something like that. He almost lost to Gorilla, which was, yeah, it was a lot. But um, Although it wasn't it wasn't League of Legends gorilla. No, it was another gorilla. Right. Yeah. Um, which was even more surprising because I mean, yeah, I thought Faker was an easy shoe in for the final. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
super super proud of the the Smash community for really rallying behind Hungrybox and Mango. Yeah, especially in those last minutes when Mango at one point was losing um, to I'm to Uzi. Yes. Yeah. And when we read, I remember when we quote retweeted um, our re-promotions, everyone like our mentions column was just like filled with people rallying behind Mango. It was really amazing. And right there was a uh, there was some kind of post on like Chinese Twitter or something explaining to Uzi fans how to go and and vote for vote for Uzi and then also something from EDG about clear love. Right? Yeah, it was um for those of you who don't know, Twitter isn't available in China. So the way you access it is through a VPN, which oftentimes you have to pay for. Um but it was really cool to see Chinese fans get into it. Um yeah, Uzi definitely has a fan base behind him. Yeah. And Clear Love as well. They're total veterans in China, so not really that surprised there. But what were some of the interesting moments you saw from the community? Um, let's see. Uh, uh, L.I. Joe, actually, who just celebrated his birthday. So uh, he's the Street Fighter V player who made uh, top eight at Evo last year. Um, so he, he made it, like, reasonably far. I think also to round of 16. Um, and, uh, you know, while he didn't end up winning against, I uh, think it was lethal um you know he really put he really repped the the fighting game community very well he was just like very gracious um when people were like yeah who's this la joe scrub he can't ever win (laughs) then he would be like you know what it's just an honor to be considered like it's it's about heart like our community has heart and then people were like oh this guy's (laughs) nice i kind of want to watch street fighter now right which is great for sure and um, also when uh, it was uh, Greenwall against Hungrybox, right, then all the, the Greenwall fans, the Optic fans being like, hey, Optic, you need like a fighting game player. You need a Smash player. Can you like sign someone? That was that was really fun to see, too. Yeah, for sure. You don't really see communities in different esports intermingle that often. Yeah. And this was a really cool experience yeah, to see definitely. that happen. Um, but something else interesting that happened over the weekend, StarCraft Brood War. Um, which I'm sure you're super excited about since we've been teasing it for so long. Oh man. So I was, uh, so I stayed up from 1 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. on Saturday night. So that encompassed all of, uh, so the StarCraft remastered announcement. And then there was the legend, the Brood War Legends tournament with, um, Flash, uh, Jadong, Stork, and Bisu. And then there was a break. And then there was the GSL finals. Um, and it was, uh, it was an amazing, amazing night. I mean, for all that, it was just like me sitting in front of my laptop watching a stream, uh, you know, and not getting very much sleep. Um, the announcement of StarCraft Remastered was just, was glorious. Uh, we are on day four of the world in which StarCraft Remastered is officially a thing. (laughs) This is a great world for me. I feel like this is, this is like an optimal timeline. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it was kind of like what I thought it was going to be, um, just a, a version that stays very true to the original gameplay, but that really upgrades, uh, stuff like the graphics, uh, audio, networking capabilities. Uh, they're going to keep you know, Legacy Battle.net, but just like beef it up a lot. Um, and, uh, Brood War is going to, like, so the original version, uh, with like a with like a little patch is going to be free forever, and you will be able to play between um, Brood War and uh, Starcraft Remastered when that comes out. 
Uh, of course, StarCraft Remastered isn't going to be free, but I mean, it's it really lowers the barrier to people who are like, hey, what is this? You know, what is this game about? What's the difference between this and StarCraft Two, et cetera, et cetera? And um, yeah, so there are there's a lot of excitement in the community about um, creating new content around Brood War, around uh, or StarCraft Remastered. Like Day Nine says, he's going to do this whole series. Um, uh, there's been, you know, it's it's definitely there's been some intra-community conflict over it. Uh, some really big name StarCraft II casters like Nathanius and Maynard have uh, have said that there are lots of people in their Twitch chat now who are Brood War elitists who are basically like, oh, StarCraft II sucks. So that's kind of unfortunate, although uh, not really surprising. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so then, uh, so Flash won the Legends tournament, which is like, well, it's, I mean, Flash wins. <laughs> and <laughs> um, Stats won uh, against Sue. So Sue has now been in five GSL finals without actually winning uh, any of them. So sad. Uh, and then a really cool thing that happened before the GSL finals started was there was this awards ceremony where uh, Mike Morheim gave Bjorn an award that was like... That was like the ESPN Esports Player of the Year award. Yeah, that frame. We should we should probably warn viewers that we did not give them this award. Yeah, well, we just didn't know that this ceremony was going to happen. We knew, for sure. yeah, we knew that they wanted to to like they, they asked us about you know we we want to like print this out and frame it like the the Tyler's uh, Fion's article about uh, Bjorn winning this award. Um, so we knew that you know they were like oh this is cool we want to frame it. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, when I, when I was watching and, you know, Mike Morheim was like, yeah, Bjorn win, won the ESPN Esports Player of the Year award. I was just like, what? Yeah. Like, what is going on? Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of us were collectively like, um, did we plan this? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask you something because I was reading one of our older articles and, um, Lee Sung Wan from, um, Kongdu Company he said something interesting, which was, I feel like there are a number of viewers who are tired of team games in general, especially the MOBA game, and they're in the mood for something new. And to those who are completely new to StarCraft, it being a one-on-one um, strategy game, that is like what they're looking for. And although he wasn't talking about Brood War at the time, I feel like it, it's pretty applicable to what's happening right now. And I was wondering if if this would usher in the second coming of Brood War. Um. It it definitely could happen. I think there will be a lot of renewed interest around uh, you know, StarCraft Remastered, uh, around Brood War. Uh, I'm uh, and the way Blizzard is embracing this, and the way Blizzard sort of paired, you know, this the remastered announcement and the Brood War tournament with uh, the StarCraft Two GSL Finals, uh, but keeping you know the GSL Finals as sort of the main event. I think. Uh, that's a really interesting approach, basically saying like, yes, we're going to support both of these esports scenes. We really want to highlight both of them. Um, and, you know, for all that within the StarCraft community, people are like, no, it's like StarCraft 2 is better. You know, Brood War is better. Oh, no. Br- remastered <laughs> means that Blizzard doesn't care about StarCraft 2 anymore. That's like obviously not true. Uh, and I, I do think that together... Uh, these games will foster greater interest. Are we going to see teams picking up StarCraft players again? Doubtful. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really know if that will. I, I don't think that will happen. I think the era of uh, of those traditional um, Korean big infrastructure teams for StarCraft is kind of over. Uh, I could, you know, there there are definitely foreign teams in the scene, like those courses, Splice. 
Uh, there's Team Expert and um, True Esports. Uh, and of course, there's still Jenner Green Wings. But I mean, these players now have a, a, a different revenue stream in, in like streaming, right? Um, and so that really changes the equation. Um, so uh, I don't know really how many new players will get into Brood War because it's just like it's so daunting competing at that game. Um, but I'm, you know, I, I'm optimistic that there will definitely be more fan interest and um, definitely more interest sort of at kind of the lower tier of competition. Uh, like uh, my friend Shamtu uh, is actually running Brood War like weekly cups now on Smash.gg. So if you're interested in that, you should check it out. And yeah, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that scene develop. Very cool. Um, well, we're going to take a short break right now, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about Team Liquid from the NALCS. Are they destined for relegation? We'll find out next. And we're back with the ESPN Esports Podcast, and we have Jacob on the desk now. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah, it's uh, been an interesting week, but I'm, I'm all right. I'm hanging in there. Great. Um, so let's dive right into Team Liquid, because, wow, a lot happened over the weekend. They lost to FlyQuest, which means that they're relegation bound or rather they're relegated to the promotion tournament which means they might be relegated from the lcs altogether um i feel like the general joke with team liquid is they're destined for fourth place but as you said in your power rankings jacob you can't be fourth if you're second to last exactly yeah i team liquid's an interesting note like they've tried so many changes here at the end of the season that Maybe this uh this break like during playoffs before the relegation tournament gives or promotion tournament gives them some time to fix their issues. Um, actually, just spoke with Lorlo not long ago, and he kind of said that they're feeling a lot better about cohesion. So maybe they are feeling good. But uh, I actually do think the promotion tournament teams, E United and Gold Coin United, are not very bad teams at all. Um, so I definitely think that I think we'll have one new team to the LCS uh, next split, whether it be Envy that's getting knocked out or Liquid getting knocked out, um, I think that one of the challenger teams will at least get their name in there. Right, and to give more background on the situation, before the 2017 spring split even started, Peter Goober from the Warriors, Magic Johnson, big name investors decided to buy into the team. Um, ironically enough, they, this would be their worst split by far. Um, so, Christino, um, what do you think of this? Like, Do you think that this kind of situation will deter future investors from wanting to buy into a scene that could be potentially so volatile? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, well, it's interesting, right? So you have Team Liquid and then you have Dignitas. Both were acquired in these huge deals. Um, both spent a bunch of money in the offseason. Um, both were really not doing very well at the half. And then Dignitas managed to uh, pull themselves up by the bootstraps, I guess, and Team Liquid really did not, uh, even though both teams made significant changes. So, you know, on the one hand, you could be like, oh, you know, Team Dignitas. Like, yes, you, you, know, you could be a big investor. And if you do it right, you can, you can like, you, you can get up there. You can get to playoffs. And But on the other hand, especially with risk-averse investors, you'd be like, well, then there's Team Liquid. So uh, it definitely adds to the risk profile. Right, and for some teams, uh, staying on has really paid off for them. Like Phoenix I, won, they were almost relegated last season. Yeah, and I, I think overall, actually, that um, investing in League of Legends, uh, people have been deterred from that for a little bit. I think that actually stems back to Renegades and the competitive ruling from the first time I heard investors not wanting to be in League of Legends because of um, 
just absolute power by Riot is one thing, but also the fear of relegation. Uh, and there's there's like rumors about franchising and everything next split as well. So like maybe or not next split, but next season um, in 2018. So maybe that does fix it. But um, overall, I, I think that League of Legends is a very risky investment in compared to other esports titles. And I, I also think that for the money you have to put into it, it usually I can say pretty positively it doesn't make you returns. So it's like. This is not the best time to invest in League of Legends. That This is literally, this season, I think, is probably the last hurrah you would want to put your money in Challenger Series if you're a team with, like, middling money and not big VC money, uh, like United or Goldcoin United. Um, and so that's probably the last time you want to invest in Challenger and try and make a run because it's not going to be worth it in the future. Right, and like you said earlier, you got a chance to talk with Lorlo. Um, what was that like? Like, what was his impression of heading into the relegation tournament? He seemed pretty positive um, with the changes that they made. It's his first promotion tournament. Uh, it's actually the first time Team Liquid's ever played in the promotion tournament. So uh, even Team Curse with their old outfit. So um, it, it's certainly, uh, I think it's almost a little daunting, but I think that he's pretty positive that they're the better team. So we'll see if that kind of comes to fruition in a couple weeks. Right. Well, up next, we talk to Laurel about his expectations, or rather, I should say, Jacob talks to Laurel about his expectations heading into the promotion tournament. So I'm here with Laurel. Uh, you guys have just been like noted to go into the relegation tournament. This will be your first relegation tournament with uh, Team Liquid, and the first time you've ever played in the tournament. Uh, what are you expecting going into it? Um, so, yeah, it's going to be our first time, and I think overall for me, I'm just expecting to... That going into this week, just practice really, really hard, and I think we are on that right mindset. And they're yeah, leading. It, I think everyone's still motivated to succeed, and I think that's the biggest worry for any team going to relegations because there's a lot of motivational slumps, I guess, when you hit that part. But I think our team is doing a good job about like staying in the right mindset in terms of that, and just focusing on promoting back to the, uh, to the LCS. And you all have had a lot of changes. Um, notably, you've you just got a new coach in Kane, but you've also um, you've also had some roster swaps around throughout the season. Multiple different roster swaps. What has it been like uh, cohesion wise and team liquid throughout the split? Um. So yeah, overall the split has been pretty bumpy in terms of trying to find the best roster, and we've gone through a lot of different iterations uh, for some better and for some worse, but. I think the cohesion now is probably the best it's been all split. And yeah, there was some iterations that were worse than others, but I think now we found like a solid ground and we're improving at a steady rate. And how does this team compare to your team last year with different players in a different lineup? Um, I think if I go all the way back to last year, I think summer of yeah, 2016 was probably better than this, even though summer we had a lot of issues with like Dardog, we had issues with Fabi, just issues in the team in general with like uh, how we treat each other. But I think that roster had a little more co- uh, cohesion than this roster currently. But doesn't mean to say that this roster doesn't have the capabilities. It's just we didn't have as much time as the other roster. And, you know, it's something we didn't know coming into the split that MSI would be as valuable as it is. Um, a lot of, I remember a lot of, uh, owners and managers have made roster decisions before that was kind of a thing, uh, kind of aiming towards summer split. Do you think, um, that Team Liquid is going to improve more on the summer split and actually get an opportunity to make it to a run like the world championship? Um, I know for me, it's definitely my end goal to make worlds and it'll probably always be my goal until I, 
actually make that because I'm not going to, like, shoot for, you know, like, so if I was just making worlds is what I want right now and, like, even winning, like, NALCS is what I want and I hope that we make, like, the right, I guess, decisions going forward after we get promoted and just make sure we can do everything we can in terms of yeah, shooting for my own personal goal. I know, like, Team Liquid has that goal in mind as well. And what do you think of your relegation opponents uh, in the next coming weeks? Uh, the tournament is obviously you, uh, E United, Goldcoin United, and I believe Imbius. Yeah. What, what do you think about the people you're going up against soon? Yeah, so overall, I think the biggest opponent in the, out of those three would have to be, I think, Goldcoin. I think Envy also looks pretty strong, but I think Goldcoin just seems to be like the mo- most, like uh, I guess, developed out of the three. And... I'm excited if we get to play for some because I think it'll be a really close match. And yeah, I think it's going to be us and then either Goldcoin or Envy getting promoted uh, this split. Does it is it a little daunting that you're going to be facing off against your your former coach in Logo Doko? Um, I don't know daunting. I think it'll be more of a fun experience for me. I think because I'm really close friends with Phoenix still, and I also know Solo and obviously Loco. So. I'm closer than a few, a few people on that team, so I think it's just going to be a fun match overall and also a pretty stressful one because it's in promotion tournament, but I think we'll take the W for some. And so you went through your, your rookie year last year, um, fairly criticized at the beginning of it because, uh, you know, obviously you're replacing Quas after some tension within the team. Um, now looking back after a year in the league uh, and now a year and a half in, in the league, uh, what, how do you think you've done for yourself? Um, yeah, so if I go all the way back to, I guess, my debut in spring, just my first split in general, I think I played really poorly, and I think I deserved a lot of the criticism that was given to me at the time, because, like, if I look back now, it was really hard for me to adjust to the scene, it was really hard for me to adjust to, like, the 2v1 meta, how to play competitive in general, so I had a lot of things I was learning throughout that whole split, and also just, like, living, just, like, how to live on my own, in a sense, because I was, like, fresh out of high school, I was, I'm 17, I was 17 at the time, and... Yeah, it was a lot of uh, real life and also in-game things that I had to learn. So it was yeah, just really hard for me to, I guess, adapt back then. And I think going forward, like through summer, I improved step by step. And now looking at myself now, I think I've improved a lot. But I think there's still a lot more, I guess, growth I can still have. Like in the upcoming years, I'm looking forward to that. So I know this seems like a crazy question. Um, bear with me, though. I have heard around the Reddit sphere, which is, you know, where everyone gets their resources. That, that, that's where I get my resources, according to Reddit. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. Um, that there might have been some collusion going on. Yeah, uh, I had heard this too. I, I had seen this. I don't know if it's like actually true, and I don't want to like pin the tail on the donkey without proof. That's not kind of not what I do, but um, yeah, that that's kind of been like the speculation among a lot of people who know more about the the industry and and the scene and the connections between the top rich teams. Right, uh, in- and for people for people who don't know, it's Doublelift who is formerly on TSM joined Liquid um, at the end of the split to save them from this fate. And but- then Kane, who was the assistant coach on Cloud Nine, joined Liquid as their new coach. Right. And and apparently the coach rule change is different in NA than it is in EU because Fnatic also tried to make a coaching change and weren't allowed. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Um, and then additionally, TSM lost to Team Liquid. So it does seem yes, a little... it seems very tricky. It seems a little uh, skeptical, but 
Uh, I don't think there's anything definitive at the moment to say that it's like 100% collusion. But yeah, there's definitely like speculation and rumors around all of it. So Right, for sure. And- I highly, highly doubt this for the record. All right. I can neither confirm or deny it. And I know that's a very Frank Underwood kind of response, but I mean, the pieces just line up in a really weirdly um, definitive way. Anyway, moving along. I think I think the telltale of that is actually just to kind of wrap this up. I think the telltale of it is what happens next season or next split after all of this is over. Like, does Kane go back to Cloud Nine? Does Double F go back to TSM? Right. Like, you know, what is the what is the recovery to kind of the saving grace for Liquid? Right, for sure. And I mean, I feel like an even more interesting question is if Goldcoin United or United join in place of Liquid. What's going to happen to all their investors? I mean, I think they'll stick around because Liquid's like a multi-game org, but I do think it's a pretty big hit if they have to play through Challenger next split, which For they sure. certainly will. I don't see Liquid being a team that doesn't want to play through Challenger. So Right. Um, well, let's move on to our next topic, which is also our final topic, which is Full, full Bloom 3. Yeah, so the FGC in general, and if you include Smash in the FGC, had a really, really cool weekend or uh, past however many days uh there was the the street fighter invitational over at e-league that kicked off and, and punk was really um kicking people's butts in that uh but yeah for me i was really excited about full bloom 3 for melee and then um civil war for smash for wii u uh the cool thing about full bloom 3 is that so hungry box got first like okay mm-hmm. hungry box but duck actually got second and um duck I mean, he's a pretty, he's a very, like, analytical, thoughtful, high-ranking player. Super, super smart guy. His day job is an engineer. And he's also a free agent. He's, like, the he's like the top-ranking free agent right now, you know, for all you Optic Gaming fans, right? <laughs> <laughs> Looking for a Smash player. Um, that was really cool. I thought uh, Doubles was also really cool because it got switched up a bit, right? You, you, you couldn't come. Right. So you had, you had, uh, you had fat. yeah, Fat Box. And then uh, you had uh, Swedish Terrible Delight game. and the Moon uh, as doubles, and that was really that was the first time they had ever played doubles, and they got second. I can't believe that's the first time they ever played doubles, by yeah. the way, because I've hung out with those guys at like three different events, like, and they're always together. Why well, the heck are they f- just now playing doubles well, together? It's, it's uh, DJ Nintendo and the Moon. Yeah, they always yeah, yeah. they always New York uh, play together. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah so that was uh that was a really fun tournament. Uh then Civil War was amazing. Um there were so many incredible upsets like Zero went out 49th. Um and then uh uh Debuzz, uh Swedish Delight's teammate on Renegades actually took down the whole thing. It's his first super major win. Um and then we uh-huh. also had like T from Japan and Captain Zack and Fatality, these names that you don't really hear that often if at all. They, you know, they all made the top four, um, and just uh, the then the event just like looked like it was so fun. I think was- I think just uh, something that I think made it really really fun and just overall a very competitive tournament is that Two GG flew out a lot of the Japanese players who were like on top ranked across different Japanese ladders. Oh, I didn't know um, that. And a lot of them were. I think it was like it was three or four Japanese players in the top eight, which is pretty indicative of like the fact that. Japan as a scene has come a long way from Abadongo being the only player that would come to the U.S. to now every time they show up, like people from Japan show up, they usually place pretty well. So, um, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of Japanese players that played very, very well this weekend. And I think that's kind of what made it 
more fun is that we had a, a more diverse in terms of nationality uh, mix. So we got different play styles too. So they play almost a different game of Smash than in the Americans. They play a lot of different styles and a lot of different characters. Like Sue. Like Sue is, I mean, he got second at Frostbite a couple of weeks ago and he plays Lucario, which is a character that almost no one in America plays that, you know, everybody thought was trash, but and, he, yeah, he was good. Yeah, he plays Link. So yeah, exactly. Link like, in, the, <laughs> in the top three, like, what the heck? Uh, it was it was really cool. Uh, you know, props to the two GG squad. Uh, this was definitely this was definitely I feel um, this is the most ambitious and um, you know most flavorful, most uh, most epic um, Smash like dedicated Smash for Wii U tournament to date. Also, there is footage of Captain Zack who plays Bayonetta. Um, teaching Mewtwo King how to do the Bayonetta dance. Yeah, you online. sent that to me today. Yeah, it's great. It's um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, let's hope that more tournaments follow in their footsteps in yeah. the future. Um, we're all out of time, but thank you, Jacob and Christina, for joining me today. And shout out to Lorlo for talking with Jacob. Uh, thanks, Tarika, for making the podcast happen. And for more esports coverage, you can check out ESPN.com/esports, or you can follow us on Twitter at ESPN underscore esports at Rachel Youngu. At Chico Ben Wolf, at Pina SC, and at She Knows Sports underscore. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.